the main it was not cheap. It was like sixty at least sixty dollars for a ticket. Yeah. It was like sixty bucks for haunted houses. Like okay. I know there's a couple interesting ones there that that I, would actually be fun. Like there was one for um uh Psycho, the Psycho House. That one was pretty cool. But um the only reason I went was because I actually just got to walk around Universal's lot. Yeah. And that right there, just like walking through because you know, Universal's lot in LA is just giant, giant factory looking buildings where they build sets and shoot all these movies and shows. And just for that, just to like get to walk on those grounds and see what it was like was it, that was enough for me to, yeah, to walk around and see all that. It would be it would be so fun to do like a tour of all the like major studios. Oh yeah, just to see like all their go, props. Go and to all like their, uh, like, like Pinewood stages and Pinewood Studios in in England where they shoot like yeah. all the Star Wars movies, all the James Bond movies, pretty much any movie J.J. Abrams ever directed. Like yeah, that would be amazing. You know what's one place that you can visit for real? What's that? Is uh. Crockett Island. So it is real? From Midnight Mass. That's a good it's that's, not, It's not actually, it's you know not what? actually called Crockett Island, okay. but it is. You can. Well, that's right. They you can visit the didn't actual. They, place. they like scouted the land and then they built the town, right? I'm pretty sure they built Something that entire like that. I'm town. Pu- I'm pulling up the article right okay. now just to see if I can find it. But w- would you consider this Flanagan's like third horror installment or would you consider Hill House and Blind Manor to be um I would I would say this is completely separate from those well I mean but Blind Manor and Hill House were completely separate my right my thought is this yeah if Mike Flanagan every single spooky season wants to come out with a new horror short series right I will be all about it you know he's got one coming out like very soon again, yeah. like in the next couple of months. Yeah, it's called a uh, midnight something. Um, oh crap! I I looked it up. I looked up the synopsis of the show. It's coming out on Netflix though. Another another miniseries. The the Midnight Club. Midnight Club. This one's based on a. This one's based on another book though. I think that just to just to get this this part out of the way, I think that if. Any of the other stuff that Mike Flanagan has done in the past almost 10 years hasn't solidified him as one of the best horror creators since, I don't know, ever. I I think this is the one that, that finally puts the nail, the final nail in the coffin. You know, I think this is, for me at least, this to me is the best thing he's done by a, a lot and he's done great he's done so many great projects and this one to me was even even better better than any of the adaptations he's done because he's done like he's adapted a lot of Stephen King stories obviously he did the Hill House and Bly Manor stuff which is also right. based on uh, books and, and stories but as far the fact that he was on kind of this track of, of adaptations and then just did a 180 and came out with this wholly original story was one uh, kind of nice. It was kind of nice to like step away from the because ad- adaptations are fine. And, and well, he, and this was he this has, was a story 
pretty unlike anything that we have seen. Yes. Like it 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 felt wholly original. It did. Not it only did. not only as far as source material, but mm-hmm. it it felt like he wasn't like he wasn't taking ideas from other people. Right. Right. Or, so or other films or whatever. Right. Before we keep going cuz I'm pretty sure the next thing I say is going to be a heavy spoiler, we're going to spoil everything about the season. Everything. So this is your warning. If you don't want anything to be spoiled, I highly recommend it because it made the viewing experience so much better. I had like one little thing spoiled for me, like one tiny little plot detail, yeah. and it it fucked up that part of the of the story. But luckily, nothing else big was, so I was still able to have a good experience. But seriously, go into this cold. Don't watch any trailers. Don't look at any posters. Just hit play. We're gonna pause you right here, and then and then come back, come back now once you. Once you've watched it, because I think it's totally, totally worth it. Yep. Um, it it takes an established horror trope, which is vampires, and makes it feel like that topic has never been explored before ever. Right. Which is probably the best compliment I think you could give this show, is that it basically made the vampire genre cool again. It took, it took like, this... <clears throat> it took basically a horror tale as old as time Mm -hmm. and completely flipped it on its head yes and not only that but it also it it reimagined the whole idea of you know we've seen we've seen like sort of cult followings explored in horror films before oh yeah and or horror tv and yeah in real life and in like in true crime documentaries, you know, they've done a lot of stuff about cults, real, like real life right. cults. And I think, I think it just took so many, it took so many horror aspects and, and kind of, you know, horror mainstays yeah. in vampires. And mm-hmm. it just, it gave us this series that was unlike anything we had ever yeah. seen before, but with all of the, you know, classic Mike Flanagan yes. touches. Like he, he didn't, <clears throat> He didn't reinvent himself. No, but no, he no, no. reinvented a story. Yeah, um, and gave us it. It was as refreshing as horror can be, for sure. I suppose I don't know that refreshing is a great word for a show like this. But yeah, because it's definitely not like it's not a fun. <laughs> you're not gonna feel not, good. It's not a after fun you watch time. It. No, that's for sure. Um, if you're like me, you'll tear up pretty much every other fifteen to twenty minutes because something super sad is happening. But, and if you're like me, you will watch an episode of this while at work and then realize oh no. that you parked in the very far uh, overflow staff parking lot. That's like a little gravel parking lot. Hell yeah. I go out there and there I'm the only car like parked on oh. as I'm leaving work. Is it dark? I, I turn this show off. Oh, it's very dark. Yeah. It's like 11 o'clock, isn't it? About, yeah. yeah. I turned the show off. It was a it was a slow night at work, so I'm just whatever on my phone. Um, turn the show off, and then I start walking, and then I realize that I have a solid five minute walk in the oh. dark out to my car all by myself. Yeah, see. And then I come home and I start the next episode while I lay in bed before I go to sleep. So, <laughs> oh man, do you want to go like episode by episode, or do you want to just kind of um? No, I don't think so. I think we can. I think we can kind of stay on a on a decent like narrative track without well let's breaking start, each one down. Let's start with Let, we the just, cast. Yes. Um, okay. I thought first of all, the the 
acting in this was phenomenal. Yes. The, you know, the characters were very convincingly emotional. Right. Um, in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of, there's mm-hmm. a lot of sadness. Um, there is a there's, lot of, there's also a lot of fear that is like very well portrayed. Right. Um, grief is a huge, t- sadness and grief and like grief and death are just right. revisited over it's, and over from, right. from all sorts of different perspectives. The whole show is basically about how all these people are, are trying to deal with or overcome grief or loss or some, some form of, of torment that has been right know, heavy on their minds for certain periods of time. And uh, you talk about the cast, the fact that every cast member in this show that has a line of dialogue is so well explored. There wasn't a single character yeah. in this show that felt like they weren't properly developed, didn't have solid character moments. Every single one. There's, I mean, I try. There's what? There's uh, obviously Father Paul, uh, the the main guy, Riley. Is that his name? Yeah. Right? Riley, Riley's parents, Riley's brother, Kate Siegel's character, her best friend, her best friend's mom, um, the uh, the the uh, sheriff and his son, um, the 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 town drunk, um, the uh, uh, what did I call the the lady that like keeps up the church while the pat the uh, Monsignor is gone. Her name is Bev. Bev. I, I don't know. She had a name that. Um... <clears throat> that Riley was calling her. He said like, I called the right. I don't, I don't know, but her job is just to upkeep the church, right? And take right. care of the pastor, her character, every, every single character, the, the mayor and his wife and their daughter. Um, um, I can't remember the daughter's name. Either. Lisa, Lisa, who was paralyzed. And then all of a sudden by some quote unquote miracle is able to walk again, which not, not a, not quite a, not a miracle, quite um, more like vampire blood, but her. I mean, it 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 blew my mind how every single character had great moments and felt like they were worth like seeing what would. Ha- I wanted to see what happened to well, everyone. I have so I have I have a little note on that. Yeah, that 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 doesn't necessarily mean that every single character was given an in-depth backstory because right. we didn't need that. But right. you you understand why you're watching this, that this island has, I don't know, a couple hundred people that live on right. it. So we don't... I think at the beginning it says population is like 175. Sure. Yeah. We don't meet every single person on the island. We meet the ones that are heavily involved with the story. But something right. that I found was super interesting, <clears throat> and not to, not to get ahead of ourselves, right. but even... Up into the last episode, when mm-hmm. when Bev is trying to decide who's gonna live and who's gonna die, right? Because apparently that's her job, right? Um, apparently, yeah. And there's there's that one guy who she basically says is not allowed in the church right, because right. he hadn't been there for because he hadn't gone to church or whatever. Sometimes for important character that that character being banned from the church was important for Bev, yeah. Because we start to see. I mean, we already know that she's a horrible human, right? Um. But that's kind of we see her like take over her trying to mm-hmm. create her own sort of following and, right. and do basically she's 
trying to do what she feels is God's work, which it is right. very clearly not. Right. Um, and so that's an important moment where mm-hmm. that person, that individual that we had not really met before, we had seen right. him in a couple scenes in the background, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden becomes super important. And we right. get just enough backstory to mm-hmm. understand where he's coming from. Right. We get we know just enough about Bev to know what what mm-hmm. she's trying to do and how well, we she's know, trying we know to more than how she's about trying Bev. to manipulate this <clears throat> yeah. this town. So sometimes the characters that we might not even pay much attention to throughout the story mm-hmm. become important for just a minute or two, right. but it's enough to drive the story even further yeah. um, into this like I don't know, this weird darkness mm-hmm. as it's going along. Because this movie or this series, we never really get like a happy resolve. It is dark right. from start to start finish. Start to finish. Right. And at, at the start, you're kind of you're kind of made to believe that this is gonna be Riley's story. Like it, it's really gonna focus primarily on him. It, and for the most part it does. But by the time you get, you know, four or five episodes in, I, I felt like I was I was getting main plot lines from three well from riley father paul uh kate siegel's character what is her name aaron aaron see i would say that this is father paul's story like i i would i would for the most part view this show through the lens of a story about father paul i would agree on slash monsignor pruitt on the back half i think by the time we get to the end it, it, it really is a, more I guess more his like he is he becomes the central character well and he also gets a fully complete story arc yes from he does. start to finish I think he does I think Aaron does and I think Riley does I think those three are really yeah if you were to really break it down those three get throughout the seven episodes a true like three-part structured character arc through throughout the the seven episode I'm interested format. if I'm interested if any of these repeat actors mm-hmm. have like are under contract for a certain number of shows with Netflix or if Flanagan well, has just found a team that like he works so well with like Kate Siegel has been there for all three well, of his series. Kate Siegel is his wife. They're married. Well, she's still in it. I, I know. I know. There's I'm a just, lot, I'm there's a lot of directors married to other like, but directors she, but, Well, she's also a, a really good um, actor. So Annabeth Gish who played Sarah Gunning has been in two of them okay um, henry thomas henry thomas has been in all three he's also been in a couple of his movies um, as well or, the, the guy who yeah. played um the guy who played the sheriff uh-huh. he was in bly manor oh that oh he's he, the, the, he cook. the cook yeah shit i was wondering man i was watching this show and i was like man this actor looks so familiar but i can't place it that's man that's okay that and then um, Carla Gugino played. She just very briefly she played the judge who sentenced Riley Flynn, and she was in the first two as well. Wow. Okay, I forgot so about that too. There are a whole lot of ties. I would. I think. I think Flanagan is just very comfortable with these people because he yes. knows he knows their work. He knows what they're about, and he knows their value too. I think. I I would think it's more. Um, these people just have such a, 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 I wouldn't, not a blind trust, but just such a, a knowing trust that whatever his vision, if Mike comes to them and is like, Hey, I have this role for you, 
they're like, just send me, the, uh, just sign, send me the contract. Yeah, I don't need to just send it to me and then sh- send me the script. I'm there for it. I think he's uh, in a lot of ways. It seems like he is an an actor's director. Sure. In that, you know, you see throughout the, through all the people that have have been involved in this projects, all the repeat involvements. I mean, like you said, Henry Thomas, his wife Kate, those people who have been not only in his shows but in multiple movies of his as well. I think it's just there's that 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 strong trust between all of them that they don't even they they just know that he's going to put something together that is going to highlight their skills and his skills as well, right? Right. He he knows he knows what his skills are and that plays into, you know, propping up these actors and actresses that he's been working with. I always I I, I personally I love to see when a creator kind of goes to the same people for a lot of different projects. I I don't know why. I I think it helps create like a, a sense of familiarity and and it kind of leans into their visuality too, right? Like for it's almost guaranteed that if you see Kate Siegel in a show or a movie, there's a good chance it might be a Mike Flanagan film. Or if you see Henry Thomas, who you know Henry Thomas plays Elliot in ET. Yeah. That's where he's from and he I think he was in like three projects before he was in Ouija Origin of Evil, which is another another Mike Flanagan movie, which came out in twenty sixteen. And now he he's like he's on a he's on a a, a a a rebirth, so to speak, as far as his acting career goes. And he's been killing it in these roles. It's been really I've loved getting to see him in the different different roles he's played. And also what's so great about these actors too is sure they show up in a lot of Flanagan's projects but they don't feel like the same character. They're good enough at their jobs that each role they play feels wholly unique and, and different from from the yeah, previous I think, one. Right? I think he's almost like he's almost doing them a service by putting them in all these different roles because it's showing the kind of range that they have as actors right and the fact that he can bring these crews together that are comprised of a whole lot of people that we've seen before and yeah. create something entirely new mm-hmm. is impressive for, on his end and on theirs oh for sure i think too that um something that i really appreciated about this show is it's i think it's it is really, truly a, a terrifying show, but I, I think a lot of the horror comes in how challenging it is, like how much it challenges the viewer to think about these inherent feelings that almost every human has to experience, grief and, right. and sorrow and, and, and loss and, you know, some form of, of hindrance that's holding people back, like like Lisa being paralyzed because she was shot, right? She was shot in, the, in her spine or something. She, I, she explained it in one scene. But, you know, the, and this show does, like I said, it is a vampire show. It has those those kind of traditional horror elements. Granted, they're they're played to a, it's, it's like Flanagan took like jumper cables to all these kind of uh, uh, tropes that you've seen before and just like zapped them and it made them feel brand new. Right. Well, that's of, the feeling I got when I was watching this. I was like, I'm, I'm watching something new, but I'm also I, it. It was hard to watch and and scary to watch because 
I was I like it, it took a emotional toll every single episode and every moment that these characters have with each other. There is right. so much going on at and beneath the surface in all of their conversations that makes you know it makes just kind of general conversations kind of kind of kind of scary hard hard to just consume right well and one of the themes that i thought was fascinating is how most of the characters are put into situations where like you mentioned they have some sort of hindrance in their life and they are basically forced to decipher on their own whether or not father paul in in helping get rid of these hindrances is right. is doing them a service or a disservice right and and most of them get to a point where they are forced to make the decision of do i want this hindrance gone from my life right at the risk of something far worse right which in this case is being forced to kind of follow this new teaching right from father Paul and from Bev right that is based it's grounded in this vampires right I don't even know I don't even know what you would call it but like what the the thing that they are choosing between is a a life of where they're gonna be forced to murder and they're going to be forced just to keep themselves alive they're right. going to be forced to follow this creature that yeah. that clearly even though it is behind the guise of a church right and a well pastor, it's it's initially presented as a godly well till like, the as, end as, it is called an angel right, by it, right many of it is presented and and assumed to be of God because of how Father Paul presents it, and because right. of how Bev continues kind of, to pre- present it, even after Father Paul kind of turns the corner. Right, right. But they they have to choose between this something, this thing that they know is inherently evil, and I think most of them know. Right. I think I think most of the town knows mm-hmm. that what they are witnessing is not godly the way that it's presented right, to them. Right. Right. But they are receiving these benefits they're right a, a, girls who weren't able to walk are able to walk again mm-hmm. um people who have been dealing with you know back injuries are right. able to dance again yeah and you know people there's there's just all of these quote-unquote miracles mm-hmm. happening across the town and these people are right. being forced to choose right and the majority of them don't choose correctly well the problem there's there's an interesting theme about like suffering in this movie right or in this series where Mm -hmm. sometimes suffering is not the worst thing that can happen to you right sometimes sometimes just escaping your suffering yeah is the worst decision that you could make right or or for your life and for the life of those around you also i think it's about you know the the consequences of kind of trying to take the easy way out Right. Right. Like and, what, and the selfishness in that. Yes. How how selfish? Yeah. How selfish it is to say, I'd rather not deal with this. I'd rather, you know, take the the quote unquote blood of quote unquote Christ, which is actually, you know, tainted with actual blood of a vampire, and and take the easy way out. The problem is, most of the time, the easy way out 
has just as many consequences as actually, you know, facing your fears or, or facing your grief as, as you know, the, the easy way out and the, the, the way that things should be dealt with both have consequences. The thing is, and I think the, the show, the way the show kind of presents it is the easy way out has far worse and far long-term kind of uh, irredeemable consequences almost, yeah. right? Like once they decide to take the easy way out, there's no going back. There's yeah. only there's only one end, and that's that is a a life that is going to be worse than what it originally was in the time when you had these issues when you when you, when you think, had these problems. I think you nailed that. I was kind of struggling to yeah. put words to that, but you kind of just said exactly what I was thinking. Right. Um. I think that there are, and and we kind of talked about this. There are a lot of Obviously, it's called Midnight Mass, and it's right. about a preacher on this yes. island. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of like religious undertones that are explored here, and we we right. kind of we kind of mentioned that you thought that Flanagan was kind of coming through with some truths in these, even if he's not a religious person. Right, there was some truth in the religious messages he was sending, and the yes. the what he had to say, mm-hmm. um, and what's what I think makes this even scarier is, and this is kind of a purely psychological type of horror that you get just right. as a viewer, is a lot of these messages being put forward by Father Paul. A lot of the right. messages that he's teaching mm-hmm. actually make some sense. Like, right. like but Father Paul has a lot of good things to say. Right. And I think to a degree, he thinks he's doing the right thing. Right. He, Father Paul, like, I never see him as necessarily the villain. Right. You 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 are kind of uneasy about the way that he acts and the way that he right. speaks, and he sort of looks uncomfortable. Right. But there is value and wisdom in some of the things that he is saying. Oh, yeah. And I, I, and I think that's, that's what makes this even scarier, is you realize that this, this preacher who the people on the island trust and who you are recognizing is saying some valuable things right is also behind um you know it it's it's become a front for right this creature to take over the island right. and and to turn all these people against each other and right. to basically just wreak havoc on the lives of these people mm-hmm. for its own sake the right. the vampire or the creature or what father paul calls the angel which it is not right it is doing this so that it can stay alive so that it can right and and when mm-hmm. when it turns the people of the island their only instinct is to stay alive right and so while you're watching this you're seeing you're seeing just regular people sometimes who you might think are good people yeah whose lives are being overtaken by this creature who is going to cause them immense pain essentially for eternity. Right. Right. And it's like the, it's, it's such a like stark contrast. Yes. Between the idea of the church and the idea of this creature that father Paul brought with him to the Island. Right. Thinking that it could save the people on the Island when in reality, it's doing the opposite. Yes. Like, that juxtaposition is a scary one, Mm -hmm. especially if you put yourself in the shoes of the people on the island. Right. I think what's great about Father Paul, and I'm going to tie Bev into this a little bit too, 
is is Father Paul. I if in general, overall, Father Paul is very wise, has really good lessons. He is a, a truly like what you would what you would hope a priest would be, right? And Someone he's, who, he's who genuinely helping people, right? Even who, outside of right of when, this creature, he's when, helping people. before the miracle. The miracles happen. The, the false miracles. Everything he says, the 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 things he tells um, um, Riley and, and the way he talks to people, he he's a man who cares for his his congregation, right? That's that's right. what you know. Priests are meant to, you know, kind of, you know, show what the word of God means, but not in a way that elevates them, you know, t- in a way that that makes them above anyone else because they're also human, right? Priests are also human. They just took the time to study the Bible and, and study theology and and become someone who is better equipped to kind of dish out these ideas that are presented in, in the text that they read. And you see that in Father Paul a lot. Where he goes wrong is in his fear of losing um, his, his the, the woman who, who, who was suffering from like dementia or something at the beginning i i can't again i can't remember her name either but you know his fear of of his own mortality and of her mortality more specifically i think is what sent him on this this misguided path right and he was presented with a way to end this suffering and he missed he mistook it as God presenting him with a way out when in reality the the reality is a lot different it, it's a very ungodly way of of of, of well and he he fell getting rid to, of that issue he fell to an evil deception and I think right. I think not only saving himself and saving I think her name was Mildred Mildred that um, some, yeah something like that but not only not only trying to save them I think that probably on a deeper level you know he has a fear that he can't save everybody on the island and it makes sense right when we when we find out that that father paul is monsignor pruitt uh-huh it makes sense that he cares so deeply about this community and he cares about the people in it and right he cares about right. the church because that is what he knows um he he comes back as a younger version of himself because of right. this creature that he stumbled upon in his journey. Um, but I think what's what's interesting is that he never he's always in touch with the Monsignor Pruitt side of him. Like right. he, he is putting on this show and he readily admits that he is lying to the people right. about who he really is. Yes. But he remembers he still is Monsignor Pruitt. And so he remembers all of these details about the people in the town. He knows what helps them and what hurts them. He knows what their goals are and what right. their, what to them will be miracles, right? He right. knows the story of all these people and he knows the mistakes that he made as mm-hmm. his previous self. And he's trying right. to write those things, right? but he does it through deception and he does it through right. lies and he does right. it through all these different evil doings. Right. Um, but he and, does it thinking that what he's doing is is righteous, right. that it's the right thing. It's only until, you know, it, it really is only until Bev, who 
who sees what's going on as like an elevation. Like God has chosen really her. She thinks that she has been chosen to this elevated status of, you know, bringing a new gospel or a new revelation to the people. Right. And it, she 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 puts it upon herself to make sure that that's carried out. The problem is her entire her in, entire thought process is misguided. Well, right? and that's why that's why it hurts her so bad when Riley's mom at the end tells her oh, God doesn't love you any more than anybody else. That and it like and we we kind of understand from the beginning. I think it's pretty obvious that Bev is selfish and she's kind a, of self-righteous. She's a and, zealot. Yeah. Too, yeah. Right? And and she she like truly does think that she is in this elevated position. Right. Um, among the rest of the people on the mm-hmm. island. Right. And she is like over over the course of this, she's hit with some hard truths that she always tries to reject. She always right. until the very end right. until her death in the final episode, she tries yeah. to reject this kind of inevitable truth that she is no different than anybody else on the island. Right. And her position in God's eyes is no different than anybody else on the island. Yes. And in fact, her thinking that drove her to do some truly evil things mm-hmm. in the final episodes um, right. of the show. And in this case, the final days of her life. Right. That's one of my, honestly, one of my absolute favorite scenes is when, when Annie, Riley's mom, walks out of the house and says, you know, I I want to say so I want to say something to you cuz she's the that moment is really the first time throughout this story that Bev has finally been told that someone has finally told her you're you are no different than me. We're all we are all on an even playing field. Right. In 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 God's eyes, we're all we are all the same. When and, it comes and to in this community where right it's a it's a community of less than 200 people who all kind of just have to work together to right who are struggling to survive going. in a yeah. lot of ways right. they're all the same that scene to me was oh, so I remember like just sitting there like it got me like I don't know it, it wasn't like intense it was just so it was the dialogue itself was just so simple and true and the way the the actress who who plays Annie the way she delivers it was just so impactful and and so so necessary because we're in the back of our minds we're thinking exactly what she's saying this whole time this whole show right. we're thinking exactly what she's saying we just you know in our heads we're not saying it out loud and then she finally does and in your mind you go that's exactly what that's what I would have said that's what I would want to say right and well, she and just said, think, she just explained it perfectly and i think not only that but that's what other other characters in the show would have wanted to say or should have said right and my i specifically think of father paul why he never corrected bev for these kind of right for her i don't know she she's just very misguided yeah and father paul i think because he sees her as a means to an end that yeah. he is he is trying to achieve he kind of allows her to go down that path. Well, and also even though even though he, you know, he had that whole conversation with Riley about how you know, basically telling Riley that Jesus made friends with sinners when he was on earth. Right, right. He never has that conversation with Bev and she goes yeah. on this entire show 
continuing to think that if she just acts more righteous than anybody else right. on the island, that somehow she is in higher favor. Somehow she is more righteous than everyone right. else. And it, right. It's, it's completely misguided. Yeah. And it's, I think part of it is that none of the other characters told her and it, that led to her demise. Right. But also she was so reluctant to actually hear the truth. Yes. And, and I think that there's her character her character is valuable in teaching that message about truth because right. it seems as though every, it seems like every character on the show is chasing some sort of truth. Like they mm-hmm. want to find the truth in maybe their situation right. or maybe what's going on. Um, you know, father Paul is trying to find the truth about whatever this thing is that gave right. him what he sees as his life back or, or whatever's going on. Yeah. But Bev is reluctant the entire time. It's almost like she knows the truth and she's actively right. fighting it. Yeah. And in the end that makes her basically the worst among them. Yes, for sure. I think I I think also you could, you could see Bev as someone who thinks that she already has, has found the truth and her job is to, her job is to live out that truth, which is what is her thinking that she is in this status that no one else has, right? Right. That she is somehow this overseer who is responsible for, you know, I don't even, I, not elevating people because I don't, I don't think her intent is to elevate. I, I think her intent is to keep herself above everyone else. Right. Well, feeling she's, like she's she is constantly... Above everyone else. And also, she, she's constantly <coughs> putting people down right. and, and trying to prove others wrong, right? So that she can keep herself elevated, right? I think one of um, a lot of her like her truly bitter moments, moments where she kind of shows those colors to other people. I'm pretty sure Father Paul isn't really around. The only time, whenever Father Paul is around, she's only showing herself as someone who is loyal to his cause right Right. she she doesn't really wear her her elevated status on her sleeve when father paul's around father paul's around she she really just kind of shows her her kind of her knowledge of of what's going on and her loyalty to the fact that she'll kind of do whatever he asks of her right right those moments where she's actually just kind of you know treating people really really poorly or telling them that they're they're worse off than others i think it, it kind of happens with father paul not in the not in the same room sure and i think that that could kind of lead into a little bit why he doesn't really recognize it and and and, and have that moment with her because he's not really in those rooms whenever those things are happening right she's very careful i i'd have to i'd have to go back and, and really watch it again but it seems like she is very careful about who she says what to. Like she knows well, he, when he she can get out, away with it. He finds out at the end, basically right. at the very end, right? Who she really is, and she kind of shows him her true colors. And I think it's, I think what's super interesting is Father Paul's final lines of he just tells um, Mildred, he says, "Please forgive me." Please forgive me, because I yeah. think he realizes, sort of after it's already too late, the monster he created in Bev that ended up quite literally destroying their town. Right. Burning their town to the ground. Yep. Um, 
and also basically murdering everybody who was not who was turned. Yes. Or, well, well, killing. Well, well ki- essentially yeah. murdering everybody. Murdering everyone, literally everyone. Yeah. And and he, like he basically turned Bev into that. She right. I think she was susceptible to it. I think she already was that. It's just that he he provided kind of the the he kind of opened the door. There was almost. an avenue for her. Right. Like she was already at the door. Sure. And it was already cracked open. He just kind of fully opened it without again kind of without realizing in in a very misguided way right a lot of a lot of father paul's actions are are, are come with such great intent that it almost it almost blinds him to the fact that he's kind of he's kind of missing some very important and sinister details well, about he, what he's doing right. right and he mentions several times throughout the show that he knows he did something horrible and he feels no guilt about it mm-hmm. he, he he especially with riley he talks about that pretty extensively and I think that I think that Father Paul's story arc is so interesting. Oh yeah. Because at the very end, he finally realizes what he actually has done. Yeah. And it's th- this whole story almost feels like for and for a lot of different characters. I feel like a main theme in this entire show is just the idea of too little, too late. Too little, too for late. For a lot right. of these characters, pretty much all of I, all of them, I, I guess, except for uh, even. Um, Aaron. I I would say Aaron's kind of the only person who really, yeah. She she is kind of the, she's like the solid structure of the people in the town who is not shying away from her faults, who is is um not buying into you know what's going on in the town. Who really is just kind of the almost a she's almost like a casual observer of what's going on, but also someone who is trying really hard to deal with all the pain that she's she's gone through well, in, she, in her life. She is still driven to make herself better, right. but she's not necessarily seeking the easy way out like we talked about. Exactly. She yeah. is she is probably the only character in the entire show that kind of found her own way. Mm-hmm. And we like we do see a full I don't want to say full circle because we didn't necessarily know her from the beginning of her story. We kind of right. jump in in the middle of her story when right. she's returning to the island. Right. She kind of gets and, back around. And she is in the process of sort of healing, in the right. process of getting her life back right. on track. When we first get to the island with Riley, she's been there for probably less than a year. Right. right? She hasn't been around very – maybe just a few months even. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really think I'm, – I'm pretty sure – Again, I'd have to look back. I'm pretty sure she gets the star billing. I'm pretty sure she is the first name that pops she up is. on the cast list, which I think I think makes sense because I mean again, and this to me ties in a little bit to the purpose her character serves in that she kind of kind of by the end is is the one who's trying to to save everyone, right? Also, can we talk that scene between her and Riley on the boat when he it knows that the only way that he can possibly save her is to show her to show her what's really going on right the the ultimate sacrifice he can make to make sure that she understands the gravity the full ramification of of the situation at hand and in that moment when he sees when he sees the 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 girl that he killed in the first episode 
right? Throughout the throughout the show, every time he goes to sleep, every time he sleeps, the the police sirens start reflecting on his face, and then we get that that cut, that jump cut to her, her her fucked up face with the police sirens like almost like the lights are like in her head and flashing out yeah. of her out of her empty eyes. Well, it's it's the image that we saw at the beginning right, of her right. laying on the yeah. ground. That that to me um that is you know the not to go back to Bly Manor, but the guy the guy with the glasses yeah. in Bly Manor That's what he should have been. That's what that that is the perfect interpretation and yes. and 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 the the way that whole thing plays out was so good. It worked so well. That's how I wished Bly Manor would have felt and, dude, when I watched we, Bly Manor. And we talked about that yeah. for a long time. We did. About how mm-hmm. we basically described what she was in this movie was what that character, the the glasses guy, mm-hmm. should have been through all of Bly Manor. And one of the one of the benefits of how it plays out in, in Midnight Mass is we know exactly who she is at the very beginning. Because she's the yes. first body that we see. Yes. Is her dead body on the ground. And... I liked how she she was never invasive. She was just there. She was a reminder to Riley. We, exactly. We were just seeing a projection of his own subconscious, right? We were seeing what exactly what he was seeing. And she his wasn't own guilt. this she wasn't this ghost or this demonic presence. She was just part of him being projected into the into the, the, the meta, into the real world. Right. Right. And I love how it, it comes full circle at the end when when he dies. She is presented to him in her original form. Yeah. Her face is clean. And and to me, I I saw that as as Riley seeing her in the way that Aaron described heaven to him. Because remember, when she describes heaven to him in that scene, they ask each other, what what do you think happens when, when we die? And, and Kate says, well, I can't speak for myself, but I can speak for my baby who just died. Right. And, you know, when she gets up there and she opens her eyes for the first time, she becomes the most perfect version of herself that she would have been in the in the in the in the in the real world. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is her state for the rest of her eternal life in heaven. Right. To me, when he sees her in her clean, you know, her like completely unfettered by injury or like. She looks like she probably would have looked before she got into that wreck, right? He sees her in her what he would what he could interpret as her perfect state, right? And then he slowly, you know, elevates before we we jump we jump to I think that juxtaposing shot of him burning alive, obviously immolating because this show's fucked up because this show's super fucked up. <laughs> See, to me that that to him was like that I I saw that as like his moment of realizing, like oh she was right. I'm yeah. being I'm being led up and I, I'm seeing this interpretation I'm seeing her interpretation of of heaven coming down and, and bringing me up right I think that I think that Riley's story was also fascinating in yeah. for for a couple of reasons first of all I think they ended it exactly where they needed to Riley yes. Riley did not necessarily have a place in the final two episodes right and I'm glad that they decided that Flanagan made the decision. Like this is where his story ends. Yeah. Because we don't really need him anymore. Right. Because Riley's character served a purpose for the story. And as soon as that was done, instead of trying to string it out too long, instead of trying to give his character more than what they actually needed. Right. Which again was one of the issues we had with Bly Manor was yep. a lot of characters 
either getting too much time or their stories not completing the way that they should. Right. Riley's ended exactly where it needed to. Yes. And not only that, but this idea, Riley basically was the embodiment of guilt in this show. Right. And the way that they built that up from the very beginning, even from the first scene right? where, and this was like, dude, this was brutal. When the police officer says something about, he was like, I'm just wondering why the drunk always walks away. With, oh, well, he starts, he starts saying nothing um, but scratches or something. He, he starts like saying that. Hail Mary's and he said, no, Hey, he's, could saying, you, he's saying the Lord's prayer, Lord's prayer. And he said, Hey, could you ask him to like, ask him why he takes the little girls and not the drunks or something yeah, like that. And from that, like in that <sighs> moment, and you kind of find out later that Riley doesn't remember any of that. Right. But mm-hmm. like it, it was almost like that comment. Obviously he would have felt guilt regardless as he should. In a situation like right. that, as anybody should in a situation like right. that. But he, like that comment planted this seed of guilt that he was fighting for the rest of his life. Yes. And, and I think, I like I genuinely think, obviously, I don't know what that's like. Right. And I never will. Hopefully not. Hopefully. Jesus Christ. God, but, I hope not. But I, the way that they portrayed guilt in the show mm-hmm. felt so real and it felt so grounded. Like that... You could tell that right. his character the entire time that he was alive was fighting off this guilt right. of over what he had done. Right. And it was more I don't even know if it was just guilt. It was like remorse. Like he right. he genuinely was haunted by this past decision that yeah. he made right. as he likely would be in real life. Yes. And it was it wasn't until the very end when he could try to make that right. Mm-hmm. Um but guilt kind of especially in the final two episodes even though Riley's story ended right the theme of guilt carried through two other it, characters right. it, beyond that point yes it carries i think so i think so i don't it, it's his his story ended but the themes that his character provided to the story did not end right he he kind of just got things rolling yeah and he he never it wasn't until his final moments that he kind of found that redemption mm-hmm. and like that is I think that that is a just part of human nature mm-hmm. is struggling with past decisions yeah, and not really knowing when you'll be able to find that redemption. Right. And right. like that, that is such an intense idea and, oh, yeah. and such a mature idea for a, a horror show right. to kind of dive into. Right. And my thought, we, we've talked a lot about respect from director, like directors respecting their audience. Yeah. And I think Mike Flanagan gave his audience the utmost respect in this film. He was not afraid to dive into any sort of themes that make us uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't afraid to make this show just dark as hell. Right. But also make us question a lot about what it means to just be a person. Right. Well, I think, like you said, something that Flanagan really leans into is one of the things that, you can do something so so destructive and and harmful that causes so much guilt that you something that you believed and had such a strong foundation in your entire life which was Riley's belief in God you can do something so bad that you can no longer believe that to be true and your the rest of your life you are trying you are you are begging people to give you a reason basically to believe that again Right. That 
a loving God really exists? Like if because his I think you know his his question the whole for his whole character arc is if lo- if a loving God exists, why did this happen? How how could he let something like this happen? And I think there are there are answers to that. And I, I think Father Paul kind of dives into them with him throughout the show, and, and I think it it kind of helps him get to a better place. He I don't he doesn't get to the end as a believer again, but I think he does get to the end at least recognizing and, and understanding why people do believe that. It's just he again, like you said, he has this this he is dealing with this guilt that he for he just cannot overcome. It is something that he has been trying and trying and trying to overcome for the four years. I think he was in jail for four years. For the four years since it happened, but there was never there was never a moment where all of a sudden he was just like, "Oh yeah, I'm good. I totally believe again. I'm forgiven. No more guilt. Not only that, no more pain. He is he is also in in trying to I think in trying to kind of find his faith again." He's exploring the idea of fate versus free will, which is something that humans have wondered about forever. Right. And like that idea of like why would like why would a loving God allow this to happen? But then right. he starts to do some introspection and be like, What decisions did I make right. that caused this to happen? Like right. did what what is in my control and what is not. And exactly. I think, and I think that's where a lot of the guilt comes from is he realizes that this situation that he is in mm-hmm. was completely avoidable. Like right. it is on him and it caused him to lose his faith. And now he's questioning everything. Right. Like it's not just questioning himself. Right. And you know, that idea also pops up throughout this show is even, and I think more so at the end with father Paul realizing like what have I done? Like right. he looks back and realizes that his personal decisions, yes, whether he was coming from a good place or not, right, caused all of this death and destruction. Right. Father Paul and a lot of the other characters don't don't initially, at least I think, because I think Riley initially thinks in a way that's like, why would someone else let this happen? Right. When in reality, it's not that someone else let it happen; it's that he made the decision. He made the decisions that led to that happening, right? right? And I think that's what that's what drives all of his guilt is that he can it is he is so afraid of just admitting that. Admitting right. the fact that it wasn't God that did it or let it happen, it was him. Yes. It was all all him. Right. It was his his decisions, his poor decision making that ended up and I think a lot of the other characters, the guilt kind of comes at the very end. So the only way they can really look at it is, oh, all of my decisions made this, led to this, right? Yeah. Where like they're the the. Well, and most of them even say as much in the in right. the final episode. Right. They they basically start verbalizing the horrible things that they've done over the past night. Right. And it, it and really for them, I guess for all of them, even Riley at the beginning, it comes mm-hmm. down to one night that right yeah just causes them to. Mm-hmm you know, question all of the choices that they've made. Right. But I think just as important in this show as just as important as the theme of guilt is, yeah. is the theme of forgiveness. And forgiveness, that is, right. that's basically explored from the beginning too. Right. Mostly you mostly see it with Riley's parents. Yes. As they're trying to 
they're trying to forgive him for the pain that he's that his actions have caused in their life right and the hardships that he has basically brought mm-hmm. upon them right and you can kind of see why his dad is so reluctant when he comes home to right like to forgive him but to show him love again because right. of all of the things that they had been through because of him over the last few years right like right dude this show is heavy it like, is there, there is a lot of heavy shit that they yeah. that they explore a lot of themes that are talked about and Mm -hmm. even just things that aren't necessarily spoken but understood Mm -hmm. because we're people and like this show is in as as scary as it is with the whole like vampires and the different scares that are in there right and whatever whatever makes this a horror movie right part of it is it's just like scary living as a person like there's a lot there's a lot of answers that we don't have. Right. And this, like this show just explores humanity basically. Right. And that's what I was, yeah. Whenever we, whenever we kind of started talking, you know, that's, I think that's what we've been explaining this whole time. The fact that obviously the, the, the tropes that you see are very scary, right? Flanagan is really good at, at visual horror and he does that really well here, but he's also good at, you know, deeply personal, Horror, how tragedy and guilt and fear can actually create this underlying terror. And, and as a viewer, it is truly terrifying because we're, 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 we are them, right? Right. We're, we are those people. We're, we're no different from anyone on that island because we're, we're, we're human beings, right? And I think um, oh, there was a point I wanted to make about um, the end, not the vampires. Oh, um, uh, Riley's parents. Riley's parents, I think, are they again? They they approach their two care the uh, his his mom and dad. Obviously, his mom is is instantly forgiving, right? Right. It, it's it's her son. It, it that is her blood, her body. It, that that is a part of her, and she is always there to to forgive and to love and and to to nurture. Right. Almost to a fault because like, it, it like, causes it causes strife with her right. husband and with Riley when he gets mm-hmm. home. Like a lot of like a lot of mothers do, right? Yeah. In in most hierarchical societal cultural structures, mothers are the the nurturing side of the of the di- of the dynamic, right? Of the father mother dynamic, and the fathers are usually the ones that are a little more uh, a, a little more tough to crack, are a little more. Um, um, not hesitant, but just a little more tough on, you know, their their kids or their direct family members, and and they they explore that through both of those characters really well. The idea of how how each of them kind of forgives Riley for what's happened, and and they both come to a point near the end of his arc where they're they're on that path of f- complete forgiveness. Obviously, his mom's been there, but it, his dad gets to that point as well. And what's interesting to me is. I think his parents kind of represent the 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 kind of person who is kind of willing to accept that like miracles happen and and, and they come when it's least expected. Sure. It's it, it it takes them up until the midnight mass when they realize we're we're getting we're about to get poisoned. They're about to fill us up with poison so we die and then are reborn. 
they, they they have enough of a of a grounded knowledge of their faith that they realize that's not that's not how this works right, right. The, you know heaven doesn't exist on earth like we're not supposed to live forever here yeah and that's when you know that's when that's why they don't drink from the cups right because they obviously uh, have they've had they've been on this path together throughout the entire story where they're obviously very close and are you know a very strong couple and it, it shows them kind of dealing with forgiveness in different ways and, and dealing with their own issues in different ways but I, I like the idea of having at least a couple of people who aren't just blindly following well and even the in, ideas of what someone is is preaching to them even right? in their undead state they show yeah. a strength that most others on the island don't and they actually set an example for the others there when they're nearing their end right right when whenever uh whenever because i think um uh the wife dies later or she's turned later and she finally right. finds her husband and she's I'm, I'm i'm hungry i think is what she's i'm so yeah. hungry and he says he says something like i know i know but you don't have to do yes this. yes he said i haven't done it and right. and that like the fact that she can go to her husband and in him confidently telling her like I, I didn't do this you don't have to either like there is a way to not to not be what this this tragedy is meant to make us right I think that's a that's a, again a great examination of how like how how like structured real faith in something can actually is is what makes you know faith a good thing when when you do it from a place that is truly learned and and you know cognizant of of you know i don't know like the truths that faith actually like presents to you the fact that miracles don't just happen willy-nilly and and then they're not they can't really come from someone who is human and and when you're being presented with ideas that you disagree with. It's good to be hesitant. It's good to kind right. of sit back and go, well, that's not really how we thought this, you know, this, that's not how we thought it was. Right. Right. It, I think their, their characters in, in a very subtle way are a good representation of, of not blind faith or complete disbelief, but a very structured faith in what it means to truly know what your faith is about without being pulled kind of either which way that doesn't now that's not to say that they don't believe miracles are happening initially right because they don't really have any they don't really have any of the sinister underpinnings they don't see any of that right, right. it's it's not it's not going on in front of them so they kind of just go along with it until they finally do see the sinister reality and then they go okay now this is this isn't it this is wrong something's wrong here and I, I, I really appreciated them as characters because of how they were kind of structured throughout the show. Right. And and again, a lot of characters are like that. It's very a lot of them are very subtle, but a lot of their a lot of their like the structure of each character, some of them is more subtle than others, right? right? Well while, not everyone is a main character. While you were saying that I kinda it made me think because I when you watch this show, it basically it shows us all of the hardest parts about being a human and and the like the mental state of being a human right and the mental fragility of being a human right but i think now that you kind of mentioned that about 
Riley's parents is there is some juxtaposition between the worst parts and the best parts. Like Mm -hmm. you can watch this and obviously I hope and pray that nor me nor anybody I ever know or love is ever in a situation like Riley was in from the beginning. Right. But you also see his mom as this representation of forgiveness and and right how to love people at their lowest right and you know you also hope and pray that nobody you love is ever put in a position where they are um where you know where they are being lied to by the people that they trust the most in this case father paul yeah but you also hope that you would seek the truth the way that um the way that like Riley and Aaron are and and they discuss that and they Mm -hmm. dive into these ideas that they have and kind of, they kind of find their own way. Right. Even when they are actively being lied to. And even when the people around them are being lied to. Right. Um, you also, you know, you, you look at like the sheriff and you, Mm -hmm. you see the, the goodness in him where he really is trying to do, what's best for his family and for his community. Right. Like he right. just wants to help people. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't want anybody to get hurt. Yeah. And it's, there's, there are as dark as this show is a lot of characters have, you know, individual qualities right. that are worth looking up to. Yes. Um, because it's so easy to watch this entire thing and just realize like how dark it is. And basically like, mm-hmm. There's a lot of shitty stuff that happens in life. Right. And a lot of shitty choices that we are kind of forced into making. And a lot of shitty consequences that, that come out of And a lot of, of shitty consequences that right. come from poor decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously this show takes it to the extreme. Right. But it's it's worth it's it's definitely worth exploring and, and I think so. That the sort of introspection that like Riley's character shows. It's right. worth having that where right. you can look at yourself and kind of dissect, even if it's negative, all the things that you love and hate about yourself and about right. who you are and your character and all these things and make mm-hmm. the decision that you need to change. Right. And like, that's what this show kind of forces you to do. This show forces you into some introspection. It forces oh, yeah. you to put yourself in the shoes of all these characters right. and sort of say, what would I do? Mm-hmm. And you hope you would do the right thing. Right. But I think, like there, but there are so many just like horrible situations oh, that yeah. each of them are put into mm-hmm. individually and then collectively as a community. Right. That like, obviously it's the story is fictional, but like a lot of the, a lot of these moral dilemmas are mm-hmm. things that people face around the world every single day. Every day, every moment of every day. Right. I think the show also in many ways i think the show validates kind of like it validates like the benefits of being faithful to something it also validates the idea that faith can be manipulated by the wrong people by individuals who don't truly have faith in something they believe that it's upon it's 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 like bev it's it's their responsibility to to do something about you know what they believe or what they think they believe. It also yeah. it also examines you know the idea of of atheism, how someone can be driven to the point of desperation so far that it's hard for them to 
truly believe anymore. And it, it, it validates in that anything. idea. You don't, you don't hear Riley talking about what he went through and the fact that he really doesn't believe anymore and go, come on, man, you just got just, just think this way. It's not that hard. Right. You hear what he says and you go, you know what? I get it. I, I get where he's coming from. I don't necessarily think he's right, but I get, you get where everyone is coming. It, it validates so many, it examines and validates so many different ideas from the position of, of different, not just faith, but different faiths. You know, we had the, um, sheriff is, is and his son are Muslim, and then you know the town is obviously very heavily Catholic, and Riley is the I think the only true atheist in the show, at least one who presents himself that, as that one we see yeah. right who actually who actually speaks from a position of I you know I like I I can't believe in in the way you guys do right and it examines all of these all of these different structures that people have from like like I said from from faith and, and validation and it 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 I think in a lot of good ways it, it examines them in a lot of good ways a lot of ways that are again very challenging to anyone I think anyone from any religious or moral background could watch this show and take a lot a lot out of what the show is trying to say and I think is successfully saying sure right and you know i don't know i as i know we've been talking for a while i've been trying as we're talking to think of any kind of negative i might have about the show and i i don't i know a lot of people a lot of people have been saying that it is slow like it's a little slow to start i completely disagree i think every single moment cuz to me when someone says that's ah, kind of slow to start to me that means there are scenes or moments that have no purpose, which slows down the runtime. It slows down the, the progression sure. of the story. Nothing in this show, in the seven hours of this show, felt like a a, 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 a stop in the progression or, or a, an unnecessary moment. A, sl- Especially, a slow to tempo does not necessarily mean a right. slow show. It, yeah, sure. The, the, tempo, the tempo, the way things play out might start off a little slow, but that doesn't mean that – to me, that's not a negative. Well, it doesn't mean we're not progressing. It, right. It, the show is progressing the entire time. Yes. It, to me, I, 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 I can't get behind that criticism because to me, it just doesn't – it doesn't make sense. Well, and I've seen Personally, a lot of – it doesn't make sense. I've seen a lot of complaints just reading like, uh, like audience reviews. Mm-hmm. A lot of people complaining about the like monologues and right. conversation and just it is it is kind of a dialogue heavy script, mm-hmm. but every conversation serves a purpose and every and right. every conversation has a has a lesson to teach. Right. It, every essentially to me all those the longer monologues and, and the long takes like of people walking or when Kate and Riley are talking about you know what happens when you die. I think all those all the all that dialogue and the, those scripts are so well written and well thought out that I didn't I didn't notice that we were sit you know in a on a one shot on two different one shots for fifteen minutes when Riley and Kate are describing what they think happens when they die I I didn't get that feeling of man we're really just kind of sitting here talking I was completely completely involved in the conversation because. The way the way they act out those scenes is very well done. All these actors are completely game, completely on board with what's happening and what their characters are going through, which is a big help. And the 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 dialogue is written to such a level that none of it feels cheap or melodramatic 
or over, right. you know, like they're trying to like, they have to like overact to make the script sound better. They just say what's, what's written and it, 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 it sounds tangible. It, may, it all makes sense. And I, well, again, it's all, that's, there, it's all there to make us think. Right. It's right. The idea is not to fill time mm-hmm. and it's not just because they want to, like you said, they're not trying to force anything by right. like overacting or whatever. Right. The, the conversations are there to start a conversation. Like it, right. it feels like when you watch a conversation between any of these characters, yeah. it wants you to think right about what you would do. It wants you to put right. yourself in that Again, conversation. Again, there, there's purpose to every conversation. Dude, that five minute long take at the beginning of episode two uh-huh. blew my fucking mind. Like, and I think you and I have always shown an appreciation for long takes. For well, long takes that are especially well done. Right. Yeah. That and, aren't cheap or anything like that. And a like lot that. of times, like, we see that, a lot of times we see it in action. Yeah. Right? Like, we saw, like, a couple examples. The Revenant has, like, one of the greatest, like, yeah. action scene mm-hmm. long takes right. ever made. And in, in The Revenant, that's done to up the tension. Right. In a similar way that this show kind of does it for the same reason, but for a different kind of but we, tension. But right? my point is we very rarely see it with dialogue, especially right. multiple conversations with multiple characters across basically multiple settings. Like this episode two opened up on the beach and showed us five different conversations between 10 different characters. There's the sheriff and the like mayor, the sheriff and Riley and, back and up the hill and Riley down and to the, the water. Yeah. And, over. Mm-hmm. and like with it's obviously it would be hard to do for any scene, but right. with meaningful dialogue and yeah. you have to have like those performances have to be flawless all together. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was just as easy as it might seem because it's a lot of just talking. Like right. that was a very like, technically difficult it is a very it is very demanding off yes extremely well mm-hmm. one takes like that where there's so much dialogue too and, and you can say the same in action movies too because it's just a different kind of demand right like in action movies the demand comes from choreography and timing and timing and right. how they're actually like physically moving you know how they're how they're punching or kicking like or, spatial or, relationships or, and, right yeah. right when when there's a a, a, a physical interaction going on right. whereas with something like this where it's more dialogue heavy again there is a lot of choreography in, in placement but you have to be on top of your lines the whole time you have to know where you have to be there's so much that goes into these one takes and what's great about this one and I think what's great about most I I have very rarely have seen a one take that I went. That's ah, just a cheap like that's right. Yeah, like that didn't come on. That, that didn't add anything to the. To me, this add that, that those kind of long takes. They do they do that a lot when they're like walking and talking throughout the town, right? And I think sometimes there's subtle purposes like just kind of giving you the scope of what the town is like, you know, walking you through these settings as if you're just kind of walking in front of them looking at all the things they're mm-hmm. looking at right where but like in the beach scene it's just it is just a it, it turns the tension up to up to 12 right and just that there's just this weird there's this uncomfortable feeling seeing all these like dead cats on the beach while they're trying to you know talk out what they're going to do and, and and how they should get rid of them and and who needs to go where to get the right stuff it, it's it's so masterfully done and there are so many moments like that throughout this whole show um it, I, dude i 
man, it's just it it's it's great to see, but it it's not something I'm like immediately go back to. This isn't this really isn't a show that you're going to want to go sit back down and watch again immediately. Right. There might be moments you want to go back to to kind of flesh out you know what you saw because the show constantly kind of validate validates certain the certain things that happen in the beginning to where at the end you kind of go oh that makes sense that that happened so you could kind of go back and look at that and go that makes sense now right in the in the in the grand scheme of the 7 hour story you know it it, it helps a lot of you know the show helps itself make sense throughout without just kind of telling you what's going on right the film the the show not the film the show does a lot of showing right Yes, there's a lot of showing that goes on, and a lot of the dialogue not not a lot of the dialogue is expository. No, it's it's all character development. It's very all, yeah. It's all it it all has to do with kind of the the deepening of these characters. Um, again, again though, this isn't really a show that you can just kind of pop on and. And also, it is like casually enjoy. I I kind of mentioned this to you after the first episode, but it is like visibly uncomfortable. Like when you watch yeah. this, there is nothing about it that is like even pleasing to the eye. It's like super first of all like weird framing and aspect ratios the entire it changes every episode right right and i would like i'd love to actually explore that a little bit more just like mm-hmm. rewatch it just to see like what creative choices flanagan is making right. behind the camera because well, he makes so many that it's hard also, to pick up on all of them from what i could tell one it sitting. was switching back and forth between digital and film at different times mm-hmm. at least Maybe maybe not switching back and forth, but like there were certain scenes that were just like fuzzy and out of Gra- focus grainier. and grainy for right. no reason. Right. <clears throat> and I, at first, I was like, "Is my phone not loading? Or like, is my brightness yeah, like, not is all my, the way is up? My, uh, is my uh, <laughs> am I going from 4K to 720? What the fuck's going on like, here?" And there was just like weird changes like that. And uh-huh. The other I noticed towards the end, it was in one of the last episodes when. Um, Riley is talking with, it was actually right after Riley had been turned. Riley is talking yeah. with father Paul and the, it's shooting the shot. They're facing each other in this giant empty room, right? The shot is up above them. Stop. Stop. You lasted so long. You did Leo. So good. You did so good. <laughs> the shot is like up above them. Right. And it just keeps like quick cutting mm-hmm. to it'll be like father Paul talking and the shot is above him looking over his back at Riley. Right. And then it'll like quick cut back to father Paul and mm-hmm. then back to Riley in like a split second. Yeah. It is like just uncomfortable and like it really just gets under your skin, like watching this take place. Right. And that's right. where a lot of the horror comes from mm-hmm. is just how like Flanagan never allows you to like get comfortable with this show both with the characters and visually speaking right i'm just looking at the camera he uses i think uh kind of to as far as final thoughts go we we need to give some final thoughts i think this this show is kind of the the culmination of all of mike flanagan's earlier projects i think it is so far the most fully realized story that all of his other story all of his other films have also told he he is sure he is he's so focused on giving you characters who are dealing with just some of the shittiest possible things you could possibly think of and he and 
you know, he he does it through a lens of horror, I think, properly because that's that's, you know, truly what kind of elicits those feelings of, of fear and dread is doing it under the genre of horror, right? Throughout, I mean, you from Oculus to the Ouija movie that he did to um, Dr. Sleep, um, all of these, uh, uh, the blind, uh, uh, Hill House show, everything he's done before this is just almost like, I don't want to say, he's not practicing in those movies, but this is just feels like he's finally like got all of those pieces from, complete from all of those other movies and shows and just nails every single aspect. Everything yeah. he's ever tried to portray in another project of his, he 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 exhibits it perfectly here. Yeah. I think true I really do think this is a this is about as close to as perfect of a show as I've seen. I have no complaints, I have no negatives. If you if you can, you know, just give yourself the grace to understand that it's going to be hard to watch and it's going to be very challenging, and you might not agree with everything that people might say right. or the decisions they make. It, it's it is such a a it is a full fully developed. It, it wraps up exactly as it should. Character like you said, like Riley's arc. Riley's arc wraps up. Exactly as it should. Every every arc builds and, and hits a breaking point and resolves in in what seem what feels like just the the best way they possibly could. And it's so all the characters are so intriguing, the good the good ones and the bad ones. And again, I, like I I watched you know I watched it in like two days, so it's, you know I've had almost a week to think about what I saw, and I I can't think of anything really that I felt was off or that, you know, wasn't fully fleshed out or, or didn't make any sense. Everything yeah. felt that it was a, as it should have been as Mike Flanagan intended it to be. And I, I am just so glad that it, it came out when it did and it, right. that, it's, that it's, it is, you know, that a guy like him gets to make what he wants to make because this is what, this is what we get. This sure. is exactly what he wanted. It's his original story almost entirely written by him. He has a couple co-writers on a couple different episodes, but he directs the whole thing. He co-writes or writes the whole thing. And I just I am again, I very very positive for me, I think my final thoughts. Again, I can't think of much wrong with yeah. what I um I mean there is a lot wrong with what I saw. I I mean, right. That goes without saying. It's, I, it's I, a pretty I, fucked up show. I get, it's very very Yeah. So my final thoughts is that this show will definitely make you think. It'll make you question a lot about just what it means to be a person. Um, also, like even just sitting here now talking about this, like we're talking about Riley and I say so confidently, oh, that will never happen to me. Right. Says fucking who? It makes you think about what like would I do if that happened to me? Right, and right? that's that's part of the horror. It is yes. it is terrifying, not mm-hmm. knowing. It is terrifying thinking that you could be in a situation that completely upends your life, right? Right, and upends the life of and that's where the true else. that's where the true horror comes. And that's why show. that's why this is so scary. The, is, the idea that yes. you that people can be so easily deceived. And and 
that the the desire for people to belong can drive them to do just horrible things to go blindly into the into right. the into the next step so that's where like obviously okay. i i hope that none of i never have to make any sort of decisions or right. live through anything <laughs> like any of these characters had to do got that right but like this this show is uncomfortable to it's uncomfortable in the lessons it's trying to teach it's uncomfortable in the questions that it raises without ever really giving answers to. Right. And it's just also uncomfortable to watch and it's gory right. and it's yeah. Like like you said, I cannot sit down and rewatch this whole thing. No. I, it's going to be a, it's going to be, be a while. It's going to be a while before yeah. I want to rewatch it. Right. Um if you're willing to be made uncomfortable for seven to eight hours right definitely watch this show yes it'll make you question a lot of things it'll make you do a lot of introspection Mm -hmm. it'll also just scare the shit out of you yeah because there are some like actually terrifying scenes the truly terrifying visual scares which again mike flanagan has proven himself to be a a master at for the past almost 10 years now since i started watching his movies like it's the type of it's the type of show that we have talked now almost an hour and a half about and i and, and i don't hey. and i don't feel like i leo quiet <laughs> he's starting to scare me yeah i know <laughs> we've talked almost see, an leo? hour and a half yeah. and i don't feel like i did a good job like communicating my feelings about the show right like i, f- I feel like i don't know it's I feel like there's just there's still more like there's still more you could digest and so, discuss so much more. Oh yeah, um, and some of it can't even be done in conversation. Some I of mean, it you we, just gotta dissect yourself. I mean, hell, and, we barely even mentioned the sheriff in his character arc, right? And, and, we, and his son's character arc. And I will leave you on one note, Gus. Okay. <laughs> Before we bring him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the creature is still out there. So. You don't think it died? I don't know. It's hard to tell. I think it's still out there. Because I think you know at the end. Okay, one more tiny thing. I'll, okay, I'll do Okay, one, la- one last tiny thing, and then I'll we're going to bring him out. I'll Go. go really fast. Yes. So at the very end, when Lisa's like, I can't feel my Faster. legs. She's like, I can't feel my legs. You can interpret that as, oh, oh, maybe the vampire died. That's why she you know, she, she can't feel her legs anymore because it, it, whatever, like, was she, however she was connected to it through his blood means it's dead, so it, it lost its, its full connection. So that's why she can't feel her legs anymore. Or it, it's the, the, the fact that, you know, she just hasn't had the blood in enough in long enough so that now she just can't well she i can't think, feel her legs anymore because the blood's cycled quick, out of real her. quick before we bring them out i yeah, think yeah, yeah. that the creature is still out there because the dangers that arise in this show are always going to be out there yes i i agree with you okay. i think i think what what the vampire represents is the the manipulation of of really anything like it represents how anything can be manipulated into an evil sinister thing and that will never That'll never go away. Evil will always exist, yes. right? In in whatever form it might be, this one represents a specific form of evil in this show. But to a larger point, it it represents the fact that even when even when you you cut the shit out of its wings and de, de, um, you cripple it to the point where you think there's a good chance it doesn't survive, you don't know for sure if right. it, if it does or not, and that generally means that it probably does because again. Bad things are always going to happen. That's what is inherently that. Mo- that's one of the things that make us inherently human is that bad things always happen, and it's almost because of us. It's almost always our fault, right? 
Except for like natural disasters, but you know we, we won't get into that. Anyway, okay, let's let's take them out. Let's take them out properly. Um, Do we want to grade it? No, I don't think we should grade shows. I don't think we. I don't. I don't want to grade this show. I think people obviously should probably know what our grade would be based on how we've talked about it. I okay. Well, listen. If you have made it this full Whew. hour and twenty seven and a half minutes, Ugh. thank you. I had um, a feeling. I apologize this... <laughs> because I feel like I just rambled and like I don't even. I do not feel satisfied. I think we at I, all with this with this conversation, I feel, which is strange. I feel somewhat like I just. I feel like I can't fully hash out my thoughts on this show. I feel like we unpacked a lot. Like I feel good about what we talked about. I think there was a lot. There's just too. There's too much. It's too much. It's this show is heavy. The yes. show. There's a lot to unpack, um, but I do recommend that you watch it. Um, I think it's a. It is officially kicking off spooky season. Hell yeah! When when a new Mike Flanagan comes out, you know it's spooky season. You know spooky season um, nearby. I'm sure we'll do some more horror movies this month. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, keep sticking with us yeah um thank you for well one if you really though if you are at the end of this thank you for dedicating an hour and a half of your time thank you to both of you to both of you who are still listening to mom and dad um yeah i know you're i know you well you're probably, <laughs> no i don't even think my mom and dad are here at this point um listen if you're here you're on some platform spotify, spotify apple Podcasts, stitcher maybe even on soundcloud maybe even soundcloud we do get a lot of we people, get a lot of clicks on soundcloud do use soundcloud it's weird i honestly never expected soundcloud to be the primary source of or not the, well it's not the I, we don't know really what the primary source is because we it's hard to get exact numbers right. but to be one of the main sources where we do see a lot of traffic is interesting but maybe you to thought say to yourself, least. maybe you thought, oh, I thought they were only on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> well, psych, pick your favorite platform, look us up, and subscribe. There's also, <laughs> hopefully, um, we will be coming out with more video stuff. I right. know we're kind of working on it. Um, since I know that nobody's going to listen through this full hour and a half, I'll just say straight up right now, we're getting a new logo coming. Hell yeah, we are. Early next year. Um, so follow our social. That's where we're going to drop it first, mm-hmm. obviously. Yep. Um, we are on Facebook at Front Row Seats. We are at um, Front underscore Row Media on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We are at Front Row Media One at gmail.com. If you feel like sending, sending us, us an, an email, email. Yeah. either way, whichever way you choose, reach out to us. Let us know what you want us to review. Let us we know what you it. think of yep. the show. If you have any ideas coming up, um, let us know. Let us know. Let Any us and all know feedback. What you think. We love we love feedback. Even if you hate us. Even if you hate it. We like that too. We enjoy knowing what people think. Um my god, dude, this is This was exhausting. I'm tired. Like I, I not the fact that we talked for an hour and a half, just the fact that we talked about this show. I knew it would even if we did 20 minutes, it would have been exhausting. Well, now I'm like to do quest- this I'm like minutes. questioning my own like mental state. Um I'm not doing that. But. <laughs> no, because like because of this show. Like, not my mental state. I'm realizing how much the show affected me. Like, yes. In this conversation. And there there are a lot of there are a lot of questions that arise in the show that I feel I don't have answers to. Oh yeah. And that's kind of like that's messing with me. I'm going to be thinking about this show for a long time. The show's been in the back of my mind since I finished it and I've been excited to talk to kind of hash it out a little bit because I I think unpacking it kind of helps. Got me feeling some type of way. Yeah. Guess what, though, Dom? We're still going to go frothing on Tuesday. Oh, come on. We're absolutely going to. All right, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Peace.